Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm chatting to Chip Stites, a former investment advisor who, upon his retirement, started the Laughing Retirement, which aims to inform and advise on the intricacies of retirement from both a personal and financial perspective. While retirement is a certainty for most of us, what isn't certain is how we're going to manage it. It's a huge change, probably the biggest shift in our lives, and there are numerous aspects that need to be seriously considered and planned for, hopefully decades before the actual retirement happens. In this episode, Chip speaks openly about the unexpected changes that retirement brought on, such as dealing with a new identity, and how to sell your business successfully so you know it's being left in the right and safe hands. He also gives some sound investment advice to ensure a happy and stress-free retirement, charts the journey of setting up a new life with his wife in Italy and how he reflects on retirement has changed his perceptions and approach to life. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello Chip, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Welcome to you and it's nice to be here and uh, thank you for asking me. Yeah, well I'm really excited and interested to have our discussion today, Chip, on that subject of retirement and all things retirement related. I love the name of your website, The Laughing Retirement, so I'm sure we'll explore that as well. But for our listeners, perhaps it'd be really good for you to put in context why you're so passionate about the subject of retirement. You know, it it, it, it's, it evolved, first of all, um, if I can use a play on words, because I first started about thought about retiring in 2008. And um, at the end of, I, I was managing a great deal of money. I, I've managed up to, or been responsible for $800 million during my life and, and managed up to $100 million. And at 2008 and nine, my clients did really well and we had a good year. But at the same time, I was exhausted. Um, and, and, and that experience said, I need to make a change. And so I, I started down this path of what the heck do I want to do? Yeah, it's quite a big question, isn't it? Yeah. It, it? It really is. And gradually over time, I realized that, first of all, getting out was not as easy as I thought it was because it was my business. I had to sell it and go through mm-hmm. all of that. Second of all, the one thing that most people don't realize is that retirement is probably one of the biggest changes you'll make in your entire life. I mean, everything changes. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, I mean, you've got a wife or a partner. 
uh, or a significant other that you're with and uh, you're used to going off to work and you see each other three hours a day, Saturday and Sunday, you got stuff planned, you got to do this, you got to do that, you're busy. And all of a sudden you're together 24 seven. Yeah, that's a big life change for anybody that's in any relationship, isn't gigantic. it? Gigantic. And yeah. then you realize you can only play golf so much. <laughs> and then you realize, well, I'm going to travel. If you've got all the money in the world, the most you're going to travel is maybe two, three months out of the year. Mm. So all of a sudden, the what do I do and the who are we together now and the, well, what, who am I if I'm not working? Mm. How do you define yourself? And that, that's a really big thing, isn't it? Because it, it in your really case, is. and it would be the same in mine and many business owners is we're to a certain degree defined by our business and our, you know, we I'd are. say status as a result of being business owners, entrepreneurs. And, and the city I was in at the time, Albuquerque, New Mexico, there, there are a number of large uh, contractors, government contractors and large businesses. And one of those large businesses, one of the largest tells their employees when they're leaving, do not call us, do not call your friends, do not call the people at work for six months. Why is that? Because your friends change too. Hmm. Your life changes. And yet I, I took give or take nine years to plan my retirement. Now, I didn't plan it that way. The original idea was I'm going to retire in two years. I'm going to sell my business. I'm going to be out to beep to boop done. Yeah. Well, first time I tried to sell my business, it fell through. Second time I tried to sell my business, it fell through. The third time I tried to sell my business, it worked. Yeah. And then I we had decided to move to Italy. And they didn't want me to go. They said, no, 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 wait. Will you, will you wait? And I, I told my wife, I said, Shana, there is no waiting here. Because waiting means, will you stay and continue to do what you're doing? Because we're paying you. And I they were they were paying me well. I that was wonderful. Hmm. The problem was I was ready to go. And for a lot of people, when you think about going, it becomes, okay, I'm going to leave the job on Friday. They're going to have the party for me on Saturday. And on Monday, I don't have to get up. I can just stay in bed. Well, I call that the honeymoon. Yeah. That's that period of time where, you know, Bob's your uncle. Everything's, everything's great. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't have to do anything. Well... You know, we moved to Italy quite literally about two weeks after I quit working, three weeks after I quit working. And, and I wouldn't be here without my wife because she put it all together, basically. So there's quite a few. I'm going to go. I want to go back and explore a few of those things. I'm going to talk about Italy and why move from the you know the US and, and, and move lots, dock and barrel during your retirement. Really intrigued to learn about that. But perhaps we should just cover off that selling the business piece because You've mentioned that a couple of times and I agree it's not an easy process. It's not an easy step. And in your case, it was the third iteration of a sale that actually completed. And for many business owners, that's, you know, they can't retire until they've gone through that kind of process. 
So what is your advice from your own experience of, you know, for somebody looking to sell their business successfully and and knowing it's been left in safe hands? And, you know, what would you reflect on on your experiences to say to a listener here that's thinking, you know, to aid my retirement, I need an exit? Find somebody as close to your character as you can. Okay. No one is going to do it like you do it. That's why you're an entrepreneur. That's why you're doing it. Because you love what you do. You mm. believe in what you do. You believe in how you do it. But at the same time, nobody's going to do it like you. Okay. And I tried to find a person who would charge as close to what I was charging because I was basically managing money. I tried to find a person who or a group that thought the way I thought as much as possible. And that's just plain not easy to do. And what I realized was, and these guys were great to me, I have no complaints. I was angry. What were you angry at, Chip? You know, I was angry because they weren't doing things (laughs) the way I would have done them, number one. And number two, and, and this is a hard one, and number two, because they weren't me. And everybody has an ego about how they do things. And I had decided already in retirement, I was done. Okay. I was done with financial services. And now I'm right back to teaching people themselves how to create a retirement portfolio. Because in my opinion, most financial advisors have no clue. None, zero, zip. And why did I discover that? I discovered that because I retired. (laughs) you went through the process yourself there's also a sense of loss isn't there but when somebody sells a business and they go and start another one when you sell a business and you're going to retire there must be a huge sense of loss you know i i love this business to me the mental chess game that goes on in the markets is is absolutely intriguing And I was told, and everybody is told from day one, subtly in commercials and every other way, you can't purchase stocks. You aren't smart enough. You don't have the material. You don't have the education. Absolutely untrue. And it took me 30 years to figure out that that was wrong. And so here I am selling a business I loved with clients, some of them that have been with me for 30 years. They're friends, aren't they? They're, they're more, they're you're loyal to them. Yeah, that's... exactly. And this happens to everybody. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many people I teach and and, and I, 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 I tell them, well, what's your biggest problem? Oh, leaving my best friend, leaving my financial advisor, because they are friends. Yeah. Trusted relationship, isn't it? Trusted relationship, trusted advisor. It is. And yet they are taught to sell mutual funds, to sell products. Hmm. And the last thing a retiree needs in retirement is a product because products cost more. They generally underperform. People don't understand them. Very few advisors understand how the stuff they are selling works. So if somebody shouldn't in retirement have mutual funds... What should they be doing then? Uh, First of all, I have a course to teach that. But what they should be doing is swapping their mutual funds for uh, indexed ETFs. Now, why is that? I'll give you three answers. 
Answer number one is that when you swap from a mutual fund to an ETF, you lower your cost by give or take 90%. That's the internal cost of the fund. Okay. You go from 0.95 or 0.66 or 1.25% down to 0.7, 0.4 or free, whatever it happens to be. That's the first thing. Second thing is 70, 80% of mutual form, mutual funds underperform their index. An indexed ETF is more likely not to outperform its index. That seldom happens because they charge just like anybody else. Okay. It's low, mm-hmm. but they charge. And so you're going to get a higher return and you're going to get more dividends paid with an ETF than you are a mutual fund. And the third reason is you cannot buy or sell a mutual fund during the market day. Can't do it. If you watch your mutual fund going to the floor because the market's falling, you can't do anything about it until the market's closed. You can put in a market order, but nothing's going to happen until it closes. Hmm. With an ETF, you can put a sell stop underneath and you can say, if this thing goes down 20%, sell it. Boom. Done. Protected. So for our listeners, what, what does ETF stand for, Chip? Exchange Traded Fund. Uh, there are index mutual funds. There are, man- there are indexed ETFs, exchange traded funds. There are managed exchange traded funds. Uh, they cost less and they are more saleable, more movable, more usable, and they are more transparent. You can only see what's in your mutual fund four times a year. You can see what's in the ETF with the push of a button. Okay. We can talk about the kind of investment side of things, but also want to explore with you, you know, you, your own journey into retirement, but some just areas that you see and mistakes and opportunities as well, though, that you, you see in others. So you did move to Italy. You did leave the US. What was the, um, what prompted that? What was the reason for that? I mean, that's quite a big, bold step to make in retirement, isn't it, Chip? There are a lot of reasons. I spent three years in Italy as a kid, and those were the happiest years of my life. And those three years were the reason that I absolutely loved to travel. Now, when I originally set out to retire, I started doing budgets and looking at cost of living and looking at this and looking at that, et cetera, et cetera. And I realized very quickly that there was a pretty good chance with any kind of inflation at all. And I've always been looking forward. And this is back in 1916, 1917. I had been watching interest rates fall for the most part since about 1982. Now I'm an old guy. Okay. Retired. So (laughs) I've been looking at this for a while. You have the right to be an old guy. (laughs) I like being an old guy. Actually, if somebody said you can go back and be 20 again, there's no way. Absolutely no freaking way that I would go back (laughs) to being young again. Um, I'd watched interest rates go down and then I'd watched 2008 and I'd watched QE and throwing money at the system and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought to myself, everything turns around. All things revert to the mean. Mortgage rates at 3%, 3 3.5%, 4% are not normal. Mortgage rates at 7 to 8 are. If you, if you go back in history and you look at what happens, this may not repeat every 20 or 30 years, but I, I knew we were going to have inflation again. Then I thought, okay, I'm paying 1400 bucks a month for my health care. 
And that's with a $6,000 deductible and yada, yada, yada. I can go on and on and on. The long and the short of it is sooner or later, my cost of living is going to catch up with my ability to take money out of my retirement and still have it last. Didn't take me long to figure that out. Yeah. So uh, somewhere around 2000, because I like to travel, I started reading a magazine called International Living. And in 2014, I think, my now wife and I decided to go to our first International Living Conference. We had nine countries we were thinking about moving to. And we went and visited the people from each of the countries and we asked questions. And it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, there's more information there than you can grab. Yeah, overload, I'd imagine. Uh, oh, absolutely. But it's, it's such a big life choice. It is. But we've got from nine countries to four. So now in 2014, we're, we're going to go visit some of these countries, which we did. Uh, so we took a three-week trip through Italy. And as a result of that trip in 2015, we moved in 2017 to Italy. Okay. So it took two years after having made the decision to make it really happen. And do you look back? Is there anything you'd do differently in terms of just moving to another country? You know, the lessons learned for you? What yes. Would you do differently? The biggest lesson learned is less is more. Okay. You don't need to bring all the stuff you think you need to bring. You just yeah. don't. I mean, I, I think we spent $4,500 on a pallet of stuff to, to go through customs and to write declarations and one thing right after another. And it took uh, six or seven months to get to us. We shouldn't have done that at all. But that's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because you're leaving your life behind. And therefore, there's, and that's what you attach to. Sometimes it, it's that whole adage, isn't it? We attach ourselves to things when we should be attaching ourselves to experiences. And I left, uh, I sold for cents on the dollar uh, an art collection that had over 107 pieces in it. And um, that was the hardest thing for me to do. Yeah. So some great advice there for anybody you know just thinking about you know whether in retirement or during the course of their lifetime thinking about moving abroad start with a list erode the list down to a core number go visit go make your decisions um and then go do um but let's come back to the start of the conversation and, and i'm really keen to discuss this because there is that sense of you know and it'll be interesting to see with you because a lot of people do retire and, and maybe then start another business, you know, they, they retire for a year or two and then they start another business or they go back into some form of employment or back into corporate world because they're just not ready to retire. You know, what's your journey been like on that? I mean, you, you obviously had a successful business, sold it, retired, and then, you know, the new venture, the coaching, the training, the speaking, the laughing retirement website has all kind of emerged as a result. How did that come about? That's its own, that's its own journey, Warren. Um, when I first retired, I sat on my butt for about three months. I mean, I, I didn't shave. I, didn't, I, I, if I, if we want, if we wanted to go out for, for, uh, to go to the stores. And one of the things I love about Italy is you go to neighborhood stores to buy, you go, you go to a, a butcher to buy your meat. You go to a bread shop to yeah. buy your bread, et cetera, et cetera. And I lost a ton of weight, first of all, because we were walking all the time. And I felt better than I've, I've ever felt in my life. But after about three months of almost doing nothing, my wife said, okay, that's enough. You're done. <laughs> what are you going to do? And I knew I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to take photography. 
I knew I wanted to study that. And we were studying Italian. I knew I wanted to travel throughout Italy. And out of this came the idea of writing online. And Italy has so much to write about. So, so writing has been a part of it. At the same time, as I began putting together the laughing retirement, that's when I realized, you know, I can't manage my money the same way I was managing it before. It just doesn't make any sense to do that. Before I was putting money in and trying to grow something. Now I want to take money out. So I started doing the numbers and putting this, that, and the other thing together. And I realized that if you have a particularly bad decade, and, and let's say a bad decade is four bad years out of 10, hmm. that's a bad decade. Yeah. And that would happen to be 2000 to 2009, if you're counting. If that happens to me, I have a real problem if I'm managing my money this way, what I would say was the old way. Yeah. So that bad decade becomes a bad retirement at that point, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Now, what are the chances of that happening again? Well, one of the best decades in history is 2010 to 2019. How often is that going to happen? Best doesn't happen very often. Totally worse doesn't happen very often. But what you get is stuff in the middle. Mm. And if, if, if you're trying to take money out of the growth of your investments, sooner or later, you're going to have a problem. Here's why. There are many years in which the market only grows 2 3 4%, right? Those are good years. Yeah. You made That's money. It's an average kind of year, probably. Exactly. Life's good. But not if you're taking out 5%. Mm. Those are all negative years. So in order to have a good year, you have to average all the time over 7% or 8% if you're taking out 5 you see, the math has changed. Everything has changed. Not only in your life, in your friends, in what you're doing, in your relationships, in your money, it's changed too. And yet, when I was taught as a certified financial planner, what they taught me was, well, now you go into the drawdown phase, that's what they call it, hmm. and you gradually take money out you increase your you increase your income, the income side of your retirement, you use funds, but you still take money out. Well, that doesn't work if you ever have to consistently take out more than about 20% from growth. Yeah. Now you got another problem. So so I I wanted to avoid that. I wanted to say if I use this system for me, can this system go on in perpetuity forever so that I just take money out and, and, and my portfolio doesn't drop? So if my portfolio is producing 5% in cash and I'm taking out 5% in cash, yeah. now what happens? Well, what happens is that if the market goes down, most of the time, they don't companies don't drop their dividends. On average, if the market goes down 10, 20, 30%, a dividend, a 5% dividend will go down 10%. Mm. So that's 4.5. Yeah. So the market is down 10%. I mean, my, my million dollars becomes 900,000, but I'm still getting all the money I need to live on. And enjoying your retirement. Yes. And so then I thought the next iteration of that was, well, I need to teach this to other people because it's not hard to do. 
I'm not looking for growth. I'm looking for income. Yeah. So I've changed the parameters of what I'm interested in a stock. A growth stock has all kinds of things to look at. What are the demographics? Who's going to buy this? What's yeah. et cetera, et cetera. An income stock, if I'm buying something for income, how long have they paid? How much have they increased their dividends? And how much of their earnings do they pay out? Done. And do they do that, as you say, consistently? And, and do you know there's 16 stocks that have paid dividends for 100 years? There are over 39 stocks that have paid dividends for 50 years. There are over 130 stocks that have paid dividends consistently for 25. We don't think about this. And the answer, why? Because the financial services doesn't make any money if I buy a, if I buy a stock. They don't make yeah. a nickel. Do you think, just sat here now listening to you, do you think now with what you've learned and your perspective on life changing and the new purpose you've found and the methodology that you're using in retirement, do you think you would have done something differently for others when you were running oh my God. your own business? And, and how does that make you feel? There's nothing worse than a smoker who's quit smoking. Yeah. He smells smoke and play. You're already doing that's terrible. Okay. I'm the same way about how I was as a financial advisor. To answer your question, I'd have done it completely differently. I'd have had people buying stocks and reinvested the dividends. And I can prove to you over and over that this is better, safer, faster. And it'll give you more. And it'll mm. cost you less. We live and learn. That's what's one we, of the we things do. about life. We, we, we it, do. Isn't it? And, Definitely. And somebody says, well, why don't you like financial advisors? I love financial advisors. I am one. Yeah. I was one. But they're taught to sell a product which puts the, which puts the buyer in second, third, or fourth place every time, without exception. And when you look at your life now, how's your perceptions of life changed in retirement? Without question, retirement is the best time of life. Without question. Wow. Okay. There's a quote from Cicero, which, which if I can think of it, he said, the great things are accomplished not by speed, dexterity, and strength, but by thought, perception, and relationships. In those things, old people are greater, not lesser. There is no better time in life than retirement because we are internally driven. I don't have a boss or a client or somebody else telling me what to do. For the first time in my life, there's no teacher standing in front of me saying, you got to do this. There's no parent behind me saying, you got to get a job. There's no child behind me that says, I need new shoes. There's no teenager that says, hey, Papa, I want a car. All of those things are gone. And all of a sudden, in at, at, at 74, or what started at 69, I guess, hmm. I am driven by what I believe to be right, not by what outside forces think I have to do. So you say you've got greater freedom of your own thoughts and live, can live life by your own values more? M much more. Much, much more. It's the same with my wife. I mean, she, uh, she, she's a quilter and a painter. And, and um, she's an artist, basically. Mm. Well, she, she was teaching people how to handle software and traveling all the time yeah. and working 60, 70 hours a week. I was working almost seven days a week. If I wasn't actually doing something, I was reading about what was coming or what was behind or et cetera, et cetera, so that I could keep up. It's interesting, isn't it? How many people in retirement do find their creative spirits? I mean, you, you talk about your wife and she's clearly very creative, but you in terms of the writing? 
but you do see a lot of people that perhaps that freedom gives them that ability to be use you know the right side of their brain and be creative it, it, it is there and yet so many of us identify with our jobs as who we are yeah that identity is who we are that leaving that identity leaves a huge hole and that's why some people go back to work because who they are is to a more more extent that work and i chose not to believe it and and if i if i say all of this came about easily and you know bob was your uncle from day one and you know yeah. we're just we're just this is easy i'd be lying and that's really honest of you, Chip. And I suppose that leads me to then ask, you know, what's been your, you know, we've talked about some successes, things that have gone well. What have been your biggest challenge in that transition to retirement? Oh, the biggest challenge without a question has been uh, our relationship. Um, okay. All, all of a sudden from three hours a day and partial weekends to 24-7 and all weekends. Yeah. In a and new I'm, country where you don't know country. anyone. <laughs> and we're still happiest when we're traveling. We're still happiest when we're taking a walk or, or whatever it happens to be, or when we're trying a new restaurant or wh whatever. And how have you overcome that challenge of spending more time together and, and building that relationship? N number one, you have to find a routine. My wife is not an early riser. She's a late go to bed person. I'm an early go to bed person, early riser. So we have worked out routines where we get to do what we need to do in order to be ourselves. That's one thing. The second thing is, for years, I, I hated working out. The idea of going to a gym and sweating was just, bleh. <laughs> okay? I don't want to do that. I love working out. It is a time for me. I used to, the idea of meditating was ridiculous. I now meditate and I write in a gratitude book. I'm able to work on me internally, and I think um, the choice to turn that focus from, from what is going on outside and responding to it to what is going inside, what is going on inside and responding to that was a conscious internal decision for both me and my wife. And so we had to learn how to be our new selves from an old relationship. As we start to kind of wrap up the conversation, you talk there about now in retirement, meditating, having a gratitude book. Again, is that a lesson that you wish you'd learned earlier oh. in your life and career? And what difference do you think it would have made to you? Huge differences. Um, you create your own reality. And yet we have a tendency to think that everything around us creates that reality because of all the stuff we're reacting to. I would have invested differently. I would have lived differently. I would have chosen things differently if I had known what I know today. But then it wouldn't be life, would it? But that's life's rich tapestry and journey again, isn't it? That's kind of what's brought you to where you are today and who you are today. So you can't, yeah. yeah, you can't look back with regret, can you? Yep. Final question, and it's the question I always end on. And I'm really intrigued. You know, you've been so honest and to the point um, and perceptive as well during the course of this conversation. So I'm really keen to ask you the question, what is your definition of success, Chip? <laughs> success is knowing yourself. That's the long and the short of it. I know people who are, are wealthy and miserable. I know people who are wealthy and happy. I know people who are poor and happy. I know people who are poor and miserable. And the difference 
from one to the other is truly that they know their life, they accept their life, they love what they have, and most important, they know themselves and they love themselves. Brilliant. Thank you, Chip. If people want to learn more about you and go to the website, The the Laughing Retirement, where can they go, Chip? They can go to www.thelaughingretirement.com, all one word. They can write me at info at thelaughingretirement.com. Um, and, and, and once you're there, uh, I'm happy to talk to anybody about finances or retirement or whatever. Um, and we can set a time to, to chat. Perfect, Chip. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for your time on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. You're very welcome, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.